Greetings, building science enthusiasts, and welcome back to the Building Science Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Bowtex Systems, a Texas-based manufacturer of a high-performance insulated concrete wall system. Here on the Building Science Podcast, we stress the importance of the building enclosure to the overall comfort, health, safety, durability, and efficiency of our buildings. And you've also heard us say that the enclosure needs to do the heavy lifting. In fact, the enclosure may be the most important first decision you make on your next construction project. We believe that some of the best solutions for a high-performance building enclosure are monolithic mass wall assemblies, like the Bowtex wall system. Bowtex walls include structure, enclosure, and insulation all in one assembly and is installed by a single trade, Manufactured locally here in Central Texas, fast to construct, and labor-friendly, Bowtex walls deliver competitive first costs and provide a lifetime of savings on energy and maintenance costs. Better buildings start with better walls. To learn more about how to design and build better buildings using Bowtex, go to bowtechsystems.com backslash building science. That's how they'll know that we sent you. That's B-A-U-T-E-X systems.com slash building science. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to construction, design, and architecture. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. Hey there, listeners. This episode was recorded live at this year's Texas Society of Architects Convention and Expo. There's some background noise. It's not the quiet studio setting that you're so used to hearing us record in with the dogs barking and birds chirping and whatnot. This is a little more rowdy. All right, we're rolling. Okay, everybody. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Building Science Podcast. I'm Christoph Irwin here live at the TXA conference with a good friend of mine and a uh, very smart person, Gary Klein from Klein and Associates. Is that where you're from? That's right. So, Gary, please introduce yourself. I'm in hot water. <laughs> Gary Klein's always in hot water. So and our I'm theme... married and I have kids. Hey, Gary. But you're not in hot water with your wife. Not today. That's good. <laughs> so, we have been conducting a series of interviews, Gary, at this conference, and the theme is multiple dimensions of beauty. There's multiple... Uh, ways to appreciate a building and, and the, produ- the process of bringing a building to be. So um, could you speak to some of the dimensions of beauty that you appreciate about buildings? I appreciate buildings that work well for the people that use them and live and work in them. Here, here. He's not a plant. He's just a random person. We happen to be interviewing him. <laughs> That's true. The all about people. About 25 years ago, somebody called me up and asked me a question. They called and asked me, how long does it take to get hot water at the fixture furthest from the water heater in my house? Was this a homeowner or a, like a city official? or This was a manufacturer selling a, a product to fix a problem, and he wanted to know how big a problem I thought it might be. And I pretty much told him to go pound sand. <laughs> Now, I was working on building science issues, houses as a system. In yeah. California back in the early 90s, that's what I was working on. For who? For, for the California Title 24 Commission. people? Uh, no, for, for the state of California. I never worked I on know. standards. I worked on better system design. 
And so this guy calls and says, how long does it take? And I pretty much told him to go away. I was working on the, the biggest problem, which was space conditioning energy use, which was a little over 30% of the state's residential energy use. Water heating was number two at 25%. Okay? This is statewide, all types. Mm -hmm. Okay? Those are pretty big numbers. And, you yeah. know, I'm a pretty simple guy. I work on the biggest problem first, then the second biggest problem, and you keep going down the list till you solve them all. And so I wasn't working on hot water. I was working on space conditioning. So I was willing to listen but not do anything. He calls me back every month for a year. Whoa. Have you done the experiment yet? No. And he wasn't crazy. He was making sense, but I was already busy. I'm working on the, the big rock, right? Solve one problem at a time. Work on it. Space conditioning. Okay. Finally, to make him go away, I got up one Saturday morning and I stood there with a bucket and a stopwatch and I measured four gallons in four minutes until hot water got to my shower. Four minutes. Well, I had a one gallon per minute shower head that worked. Wow. Well, how did I know it worked? My wife said it was okay to keep it. <laughs> right? It wasn't a mist. It was a shower. It was good. Four <laughs> gallons, four minutes. Now, okay, it, that math's right. One gallon per minute, four gallons, four minutes. That, that's all good, right? So what's the problem? I knew where the pipes ran in the attic from the water heater in the garage back to my bathroom at the far side of the house. How did you know that? I could see them above the insulation. Okay, you didn't build the house, right? No, no, it was built in 1978, the first round of Title 24 energy standards in California, and all but one segment of two foot by four foot long insulation was missing in the walls of the entire house. Oh. I got an infrared camera, and we went Well, you had one. <laughs> we were only missing one. That's not bad. Wait, wait. Only one was missing. Oh, I heard it the other way around. All but one was missing. Okay. Only one. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. First round of standards. That's very that's good, right? Good. Somebody actually got something right. But I could see the pipe insulate, the pipes right above the insulation in the attic because they only required R19 and I had six-inch core trusses, so it was right there. I'm pretty good with math. I did a quick calculation on length and diameter, and there was about two gallons of cold water in the pipe before I turned on the tap. Now, you explain to me why it took four gallons till it got hot. Thermodynamics. Mm, yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's see. <laughs> there's a uh, triple-double barrier. <laughs> I probably won't get this, but, but there is going to be some heat dissipation because the pipes are cold, so the mass of the metal is going to change temperature. You have a double? Insulation isn't perfect. There's no insulation. Um, it must have been something about like how the hot water, how the cold water fed into the hot water tank or something. Okay. We, we still don't know the exact... For the sake of the interview, I'll pretend I don't know. We, Actually, we, we I don't do, know. We, we don't know yet exactly why either, but we can oh, document okay. it. If you don't know, then I definitely We have a don't. pretty good idea, but we don't have all the functions figured out yet. <laughs> and it's, but it's there, and the effect is measurable, replicatable. You can do it time after time after time. But back then, we didn't know that. We just knew this experiment. Well, double just sounded wrong. I was trained in engineering. I, you know, there's physics involved. You got to heat the pipe. There's some losses. I don't know, 25%. Double is yeah, wrong. Yeah, not double, yeah. Right? It just sounds wrong. Mm -hmm. So I called all my friends around the country and said, how long does it take in your house? And don't wait a year to tell me. And they'd call me back in a week or so. And they'd tell me whatever it was. And what I was learning immediately was it was getting worse, not better, as buildings got newer. 
Oh. I've been in what I've been in energy efficiency my entire career since 1973. Wow. Something was wrong here. Hot water distribution or, or hot water distribution production slash distribution was not getting better. It was yes. getting worse. Hot water. Remember we talked about house as a system. Remember yeah. that set of thoughts. Oh yeah, yeah. I was talking about hot water as a system, and I started talking about it. And I spent the first five years going to conferences and talking to people about hot water as a system and say, here's what I got so far, what do you think? What concerns you? And I started asking questions and lots and lots of questions. I spent five years asking questions. I haven't gotten new questions in 10 years. I think I'm narrowing in on the problem, right? <laughs> I've, been, I've interviewed over 50,000 people in the last 25 years about hot water use in the US and other places. Now I recognize it's a, it's a skewed sample set. They showed up in a room where I was speaking. But after a thousand people, the statistics are in my favor. They're all legitimate yeah, users of hot water. Their homes are homes are homes. Homes are representative. Very much. And so what we've learned is that on average people wait 30 to 60 seconds for hot water to arrive in their homes. But worst case averages 60 seconds to two minutes. With a standard a whole bunch that are way worse than that. And so people are just used to it. They, they stop being irritated. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. So they develop routines. Like, what do you mean by routine? Well, I had four minutes. I'd go to the kitchen and make coffee. <laughs> I'd come back. Wait, wait, you'd start your water tap. Go to the kitchen. I had four minutes. Now, wow. I never timed it. I'd come back when steam is billing out of my shower. So when did the hot water get there? I don't know. Beat me. So... There's two kinds of waste in waiting for hot water. There's structural, which is what the architects and engineers and, and contractors built into the building. You mean using their design of the hot water system? Or lack thereof. Air quotes on design. Or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. And then there's behavioral waste, which is what the consumer does with that information. So if what we've learned is that if people wait more than about 10 seconds, they leave and do something to keep their time occupied. A, a huge number of people are morning shower people and they got to get off to work in school. All right, they got things to do. They're not relaxed at this point. Right. And sense. so they have to do things. There's a schedule. It's all, some things have to happen before you can get out of the front door. And so those things get done in the time, wait times. Some people make the bed. Some people brush their teeth. Automatic toothbrushes are two-minute cycles. Okay. Some people get their clothes out. Some people get the kids awake. Some go make coffee or walk the dog or. This is very technical stuff, you guys. Are you taking a list? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so they develop routines, and people come back when the routine is done, not when the hot water arrives. There's two kinds of waste: structural, which is what we, the industry that does construction, builds into it. And the behavioral is what the consumers do with that information. And the first one drives, the, the structural drives the behavioral. Absolutely. So if we can make people wait less than 10 seconds, they'll just wait for the hot water and use it. They'll, I believe that if you do it and it's consistent and short, people will learn that over time, even if you don't explicitly teach them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So before we but, get into how to hot make... Hot water wait is a random event, and random teaches people nothing other than to come back when they're ready. Yeah. So I want to talk about how to not make them wait. I think that's an important part of the conversation. But I'd also like to, if you could frame like the order, order of magnitude or how big of an issue is hot water energy use, you know, single family and multifamily? Well, that's a really good question. 
We started out looking at the question from the perspective of single-family dwellings. And in general, space conditioning has been bigger than water heating in single-family dwellings since forever. But uh, companies like your firm do a lot of passive design stuff now, right? And yeah. super efficient dwellings, right? Yeah. Well, you haven't kicked anybody out of the house, and there's still three people, and showers are showers, and washing clothes is washing clothes. Mm -hmm. Water heating has grown as a percentage as everything else has gotten more efficient. And in multifamily, mm -hmm. space conditioning has been smaller than water heating for 40 years, and no one saw it. Wow. Once you look in a multifamily okay. application, you've got one outside wall, maybe two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Unless you're the end walls, right? Yeah. If you're in the middle of a row, you've got people above you, below you, and on both sides, yeah. right? Often just one outside wall. Okay. There shouldn't be a whole lot of thermal loss. Yeah. Well, it probably will be a lot of glass on that one wall. Doesn't matter. It's still only one wall. That's true. It's just one wall. I don't have four of them. One out of no, not even one wall. One out of six Possible surfaces. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I should still be less. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. You, but they have three people. Three people. Same showers. Same everything, right? Clothes, yeah. And so water heating as a percentage is bigger in multifamily per dwelling unit than it is in single family because single family has five or six surfaces. Mm -hmm. six surfaces. And, and this goes, so the energy dimensions actually go back even deeper because... Well, heated water, obviously, is potable water that's been heated, so you've added that energy. But potable water itself is a high-embodied energy material. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so, on average, uh, water has five kilowatt hours per thousand gallons in it in the United States. Wow. With a variation from three to, I don't know, I've known one community at 25. Kilowatt hours per thousand gallons. So uh, a, a thousand gallons. So five kilowatt hours. You know, I know that my house uses 20 kilowatt hours a day, roughly right. something like that. So that's a quarter. But I, I don't use a thousand gallons a day. No. It, uh, How much does an average 1,200 square foot house? Yeah, you have to ask the number of people, not the house. Uh, okay. We're going to talk about inside, not outside. One child. Okay, so three people in my house. And we'll, we'll just Two assume dogs. you're sort of average. Uh -huh. um, on, and an average household uses somewhere around 15 to 20 gallons per person per day. So 45 to 60 gallons a day. A thousand gallons is a lot of days. Yeah. It's not energy intensive relative to heating it. Got it. Heating water is roughly 50 times more energy intensive than delivering cold water. Interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought that the pumping and filtration of no, creating... We counted all that, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. That's why I work on hot water, So, right? so it, it is about heating it and distributing it efficiently. Yeah. And can you put those in, in order? Like, uh, is, it, is, is heating it efficiently more important than distributing it efficiently? Is it both just as important? How, how do you feel about that? Or what do you think about that? The averages don't tell the right story, hmm. like because they hide the, the extremes of goodness and badness. Remember, I waited four gallons in four minutes. Right. That's when I had the bucket and the stopwatch. I bet I often came back at eight or ten minutes. So the first four minutes was clearing out the structural waste. The next four minutes was all hot water running down the drain. Right? Structural waste is not hot. Not behavioral waste is hot. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's and much more energy, energy changed. Yeah, all of a sudden the energy went up a lot. Yeah. Attached to the water. Right? Yeah. And so well, I think the way to frame the question is what is the logical worst case and logical best case of the distribution system? Okay. Answer that one. Hey, um, Gary, what's the logical worst case and what's the logical best case of the distribution system? I, I, I will answer that. So what, what we want is the service of hot water as efficiently as possible, I think is the right way to frame the question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are the services people want? They want clean clothes and clean dishes and clean bodies and clean whatever, and we use water for that. We don't have to, but we do. We don't have to? No. How else can I wash my body? I guess I could sandblast it or something. <laughs> well, you wash your hands with, with, with what is that, the, 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 the soap? The, 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 the antibacterial. The, the, All right, just keep going, excuse me. So, the, the, the services. The, so, the, you know, it, it, at some point when we have more to drink, we can discuss it, but the logical extreme of water efficiency is waterless toilets and waterless showers. You want to be clean and you want to manage your waste, but you don't necessarily want water to do either of them. Okay. Let's say for for the sake of argument that at this point you're going to use water to clean your body and get rid of your waste. What we want is the service of the hot water. Got it. Not the hot water itself. Here, I've got a bucket of five gallons worth of hot water, Christoph. What are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Wrong place, wrong time doesn't help you. Right. Okay. But I don't want to waste it in delivery. I don't want to lose the heat that went down the drain. I'd like to reutilize it. Yeah. And so if you think about it as a systems approach as opposed to a component, you get a different set of answers. I like it. The logical worst case hot water distribution system locates the water heater diagonally opposite the furthest fixture. And we'll pick on dwellings because people live in them, but the same would be true in any building. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine a, a big box store with a bathroom at the one corner and the water heater at the diagonally opposite corner of a 100,000 square foot building. Right. That'd be sort of not smart. Yeah. <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. Okay. Well, why didn't they put them like near each other? Right. Okay. It, it's location, right? So. The, the, the logical worst case is diagonally opposite. Let's pick a dwelling. Let's say we've got a 1,200 square foot dwelling unit, which I would say is half of US medium. So not very big. We'll put it on one floor and we'll put the water heater at one corner, maybe in a garage, right? Right next to the house. And the master bath is at the diagonally opposite far corner. Now I know it won't be exactly there, but it'll be close. 1,200 square feet is roughly a 30 by 40 footprint, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got 75 feet of trunk line and six branches for these, the wet rooms. Two two bathrooms, a laundry room, and a kitchen. So the trunk line is the main line coming out of the water heater, and the branches branches go down to the the fixtures. And we'll just stipulate six branches and one long trunk. So we've got 130, 140 feet of hot water pipe in the building, about a little more than half of which is... Um, three-quarter inch pipe and the other part is half inch. That's typical plumbing. Mm -hmm. The best case I have found for four wet rooms, two two bathrooms, a laundry room, and a kitchen with the same number of fixtures in them is 30 feet of hot water pipe. That's the best case. What's the trunk and what are the branches of that situation? Uh, Same, Same or smaller? 
All, all half inch. All half inch, okay. Because you don't need the three quarter inch trunk. It's all gone. You're not sending it that far. Huh? It's all gone. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So for about so half of the branches, 25 percent the of the pipe. Four X reduction. Yeah. Yeah. All right, where I was going with the question that I was asking... Oh, by the way, mm -hmm. I save a similar percentage on the cold water piping. So you're saying with good structural design, it, you could have a 400% savings or a 75% no, reduction. But I get it. I get it in the water, cold water. I get it in the hot water. I get it in the drain lines. I get it in the vents, and I only have one penetration through the roof. No. But that uh, takes an architectural design that lines with, aligns bingo. with Bingo! Mm -hmm. Notice I haven't told you how many square foot the dwelling is yet. I don't care. Wow. So you could have this thing like a like a, a hot water or a water distribution core of yes. the house, and you can put whatever dwelling you want around it. Yes. Well, as long yes. as you don't... As long as you only need two baths. Well, that particular core. If you want to go to four baths. Actually, the next scale allows you to go up to eight wet rooms with no penalty, but you go up one floor to do it. And Stack. how many feet is that one? Well, I gotta add 10 feet vertical, and so I could have a 10-foot trunk and two sets of 10-foot branches. So you added 30 feet? I added 10 foot of three-quarter and 30 mm. feet of, of half-inch. Wow. But. If I was willing to make one more change, I could make it even better. What would be that change? I would build a 40-foot long recirc loop, 5 feet over, 10 feet up, 10 feet back, 10 feet down, 5 feet back to the water heater, 40-foot loop, right? So a 10 by 10 loop with a water heater and one... In the middle of it. Middle of it. And the branches are now not 10 feet long, they're less than five feet long. All of a sudden my hot water service got better as long as I can prime the loop with hot water. And if I want to go to three stories, I just keep going up, I pick up eight more, four more wet rooms. Every time I get a floor in this core, I pick up four wet rooms. So what about the cost of adding a research pump, or excuse me, the energy impact relative well, if to the, the hot pump, water? If you do the pump on demand and insulate everything properly, it's a trivial impact. The pump, really? So a, a the pump costs you money, but the, the operation doesn't. Uh -huh. And the pump costs are, have come down a lot over the last. Yeah, years. I don't know. Figure at new construction time, they often end up getting cost. The installed cost ends up being about a grand. How it much should is the be pump about cost? five. That's inclusive of the pump mm -hmm. and the pipe and everything. I else. can remember I was building houses in the early 2000s, and I wanted to research, and the pump itself was around six hundred dollars. Yeah, and I'm not convinced it's changed much. Interesting. Okay. They've gotten fancier in the technology, but I don't think the pumps changed very mm -hmm, much. Mm -hmm. But the, the the strategy is to think about how long you want to wait for hot water to arrive and work backwards to design the plumbing. So remember, we said earlier the reason I got started was it was this two to one factor wait weight, volume, and time, it was just wrong. Something made no sense, right? Right. We have done thousands of tests since then, and we know that the range is from one and a half to two and a half times the volume of water that's in a pipe will come out the other end before hot water gets there. It's consistent. We know Do this. Do you know why? We think we know why. Can you I'll get there, but let me finish the thought okay, I'm on, okay. and then I'll try and articulate it. So let's just call it approximately two to one. Okay. Two to one. Which means if you tell me you want hot water to arrive within five seconds, I have to put two and a half seconds of pipe volume in the pipe. 
I have to work backwards. Uh-huh. Makes sense. Okay. So if you tell me how long you want to wait, I can then design your hot water distribution system. So I want to wait less than five seconds. Uh, by the way, people say less than five seconds. Okay, you may say ten. No, no, it doesn't matter. But people say five, but they'd be thrilled at anything under fifteen. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, one thousand. Yeah, I'm gonna stay with five. Okay. That means you, <laughs> right, right, it's long. But if it was consistent, you'd be okay. Yes. 10, 15, 20. So in practical terms, I do all my design work for the, under the following rules. For all fixtures other than public lavatory faucets, I assume one gallon per minute of hot water flow rate. Okay. Which is less than what's allowed by laws in the country, right? So it's a lower number. Um, and for all public lavatory faucets, I use a quarter gallon per minute flow rate. Which is also less than what's allowed. Yeah, the, the law is a half gallon per minute total flow, but that's combined hot and cold. Okay. So I'm working on one side of the equation, okay. the hot side. That's sort of why I do the same thing for one gallon a minute on the, all everything else. Right. So how do I get less than two and a half seconds of water in my pipe? You either use really skinny pipe or really short pipe. So, so it takes a 10-foot half-inch branch can guarantee to be cleared of cold water plus the extra in about about 15 seconds. So five feet is seven and a half seconds. And you said five seconds, so you cut that number again. Down two to and a half foot of half-inch. Yeah. That's not very long. No. What it's if I hard. make it? What's the smallest diameter I can use? That's a really interesting question. What's the flow rate? And who's your engineer and who's your building inspector? So the engineer is, is going to be us and we can do whatever makes sense, but do co don't codes constrain me to three-eighths of an inch? Can I use a quarter inch now by code? Depends who your inspector is. You could engineer anything, but then they have to accept it. So if you want to go down that path, we need to build a demonstration somewhere that we show doesn't fail. We show that it works right. But three-eighths is legit. Yeah. Currently. We've been testing down to an eighth inch. And so at, at, if I want to wait... Me. Eighth inch, not quarter. I wait, went past wait. that. I went down to eighth inch. So uh -huh. the static pressure of eighth inch is... At a quarter gallon per minute. It ain't bad. Yeah, right. At the low flow rate. Right, so but... you, you match flow rates and diameters. We don't do that. The rules for plumbing were written down in the 40s, became codes by the 50s, right after the World War II, and they haven't been changed since they were written down. And we don't have any... Wait, wait, our plumbing codes haven't been changed since the 40s? No, that's not what I said. The, design, the rules for pipe sizing have not been changed since the 40s. The rules for pipe sizing. Plumbing codes have changed a lot. Yeah. Um, and fixtures have changed a lot. I mean, yeah, we, don't, heads, have, we don't actually have anything legal that flows at the flush flow rates and flush volumes of the 40s. Toilets in the 40s were flushing at seven and a half gallons per flush, wow. a cubic foot. Wow. I've seven, seen and seven and a half? Yeah, I've seen some. Um, they went from seven and a half down to five, down to three and a half, down to two and a half, down to 1.6 in 1990, in the mid-90s under the e Energy Policy Act. Wow. So federal law has been 1.6 since But the 20 pipe years. sizing for supplying. Nothing changed. Or drains. Wow. Okay. That's for toilets. That's a pretty big percentage yeah. of this stuff. Showers were uncontrolled. They, there, were, there were no rules up until the mid-90s, at which point showers went down to 2.5 GPM max. Um, and faucets went to 2.2 max. Let's just suggest that flow rates were double that up until then. So they were uncontrolled. Uh -huh. But yeah, four to six, somewhere in there, sure. 
tub spout filler. Basically, they were fixed orifices, and depending on how big the hole and how much pressure, you got a certain amount of water. That's the way it worked. Four to five gallons per minute would be a pretty good guess. Wow. But by the way, there's an interesting conservation technique that was probably unintentionally built in to faucets and sinks. Have you ever turned on a sink tap and gotten splashed so you're embarrassed? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. What do you do the next time? Stand back. Or turn, <laughs> turn on less hard. Either one? Yeah, yeah. Turn on less hard, yeah. You just conserved? So you could design the basin of the sink to splash water on people? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I don't think that's a uh, human-factor design. <laughs> it, I'm pretty sure it was unintentional. It does work with psychology. So the... The concept is to work backwards from what you want and design the plumbing system to meet the rule. Mm -hmm. So if what I want, want is short wait times. Yes. You want hot water now and never run out on your shower. And you expect it to be adjustable in temperature, safe uh, in temperature and safe for biology and reasonably maintainable and a reasonable cost. I well remember said. I asked those questions for a long time. Yeah. I spent the first five years trying to figure out what people wanted from their hot water systems. They want hot water now and never run it out of their shower. They expect it to be durable, to be safe, to be reasonably reliable, okay? Mm -hmm. They expect to be able to adjust temperature and flow. By the way, they don't get that anymore for showers. You only get to adjust temperature, not flow, um, for most of us. But they want hot water now and never run it out of their showers. And we're not giving them either one of those. Well, we can give them never run out with a tankless water here, mm -hmm. right? They're not instantaneous, by the way. They're tankless, and they're not really tankless. They're continuous, right? They won't run out because mm -hmm. there's no volume to flush. As long as you're within the middle of their range of operation, they'll keep going until you run out of the power or the gas. But hot water now is a function of the distribution system, the volume between the source and the use. So it's, that's, that's the fundamental question I want to get to is there's an awful lot of interest in comparing the efficiencies of different water heating technologies and there doesn't seem to be much attention at all going into water distribution design or technologies right. and so can you comment on the, the differences there sure we can double the efficiency of making hot water by switching from electric resistance to uh, heat pump water heaters so it goes from roughly 96 percent to 250 350 yeah, percent and then the co2 heat pump water heaters which are higher 500 percent right. But you can still have a lousy distribution system and unhappy customers, right? So yeah. what we've calculated is so, something on the order of a 30% loss or so in the hot water distribution system. I've seen 100% waste in the distribution system. It's equal wait, to the use. What's that look like? Oh, okay, so it's equal to the use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. But on average, you'd say that hot water distribution systems, when people aren't designing them... 30 to 50%. 30 to 50% inefficient. Efficient, yeah. Well, efficient. Inefficient, wow. yeah. It, yeah, it's, they lose, it, so they're 60 to 70% efficient, I guess is the way to describe it. And so are the newer codes looking at that? Are they looking at hot water distribution efficiencies? One. You mean like the California code? No. No, the International Energy Conservation Code commercial chapter hmm. um, approved set of clauses related to the pipe volume between the source and the use. The International Plumbing Code has had a rule in it that says you're not allowed to have more than 50 feet of developed length of pipe 
between the source and the use. Hmm. And the source is either a water heater or a recirc loop or a heat trace trunk line. Any one of those three are sources in the code. And you're allowed 50 feet of developed length, which means you must subtract out from the real length the elbows lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay. elbows are a big deal. Uh, yes, sort of. Well, they are. I mean, they tell our listeners about the swoop. I, I will in a minute. So okay. finish the thought. Please. So the, 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 you've got this this 50 foot of developed length rule. So call it somewhere between 35 and 40 feet, depending on your elbow types. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which really isn't very far in pipe length. It's 30 foot across and 10 feet down. That's not very far. No. Right, so it's really not very far. So it's going to take some architectural design to fit those yes. productions. What the new rule says, the 50-foot rule has been in the International Plumbing Code for a long time. What the new rule says, as of 2015, is that you can have no more than 64 ounces or 50 feet, whichever is less. So it accounts for the diameter, because what matters isn't length but volume. It enables the use of up down to quarter inch tubing in the code. It does. Yeah, so but it's it not in the plumbing code. It's in the energy code. So you're still going to have debates about it. But it show it has a table, and the table shows the values. And if you do this, it will meet the rule. So it shows quarter inch diameter in that table. Quarter inch, five eighths, three eighths, half, and up. It does. It it meets the energy code, but not the plumbing code. How does that work? Well, it's allowable. A jurisdiction having authority can pick can, which can, code they're compliant with. They can pick to comply with both if you put your engineer stamp on it, but I would recommend demonstrating it before debating it on a job site. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For public lavatory faucets, that same chapter says that the volume behind the wall between the source and the angle stop can be no more than two ounces. Which How in, small is two ounces? Well, on half-inch pipe, it's about the floor to your knee. Whoa. you got to get close. Yeah. Why? Well, I'm sorry. How many times have you turned on a faucet in a public lavatory and gotten hot water? Not very often. In the last year, once? Yeah. Once a month? Building, right, not very many, right? So, But we build the buildings with the entire hot water system in them without considering the volume between the source and the use at half GPM flow rates. <laughs> so consequently, we don't ask, we don't even get hot water. In no, and, but we spent public. the energy, we spent the money to build it. We specced it, we built it, we did all everything to do it. And we it. are creating hot water. Yeah, we're creating it, and we're losing the heat behind the walls. I'm yeah. sorry, the bugs don't need our help. So you, you, so you turn on the water, and the hot water moves from the tank into the walls, doesn't reach the fixture, you turn it off, now it dissipates the heat in the walls where you don't want it. Right. And, and, the hot, and the tank has to replace the heat because it got a slug of cold water in. Yes. And no benefit for a net loss. Yes. Fascinating. It's but, a brilliant But system. we did heat the bugs in the walls. We did a great job for the bugs. <laughs> They're pretty cozy. <laughs> so you asked about swoops. The swoops. There's elbows, there's sweeps, and there's swoops. An elbow looks like a, the inside corner looks like a street corner in a city. A hard 90. 90 degrees, okay. Okay. Um, a sweep comes in two shapes, short and long radius and you get those from the HVAC supply store, not the plumbing supply store. Interesting. Apparently, it's more important to have better pressure drop or less of it in refrigeration oh, absolutely. than it is in plumbing. Right. Why, I don't understand. They are both fluids, but still. Okay. But we'll you save can that for it. another day. I, I can speculate you, on you that. You can do it. We came up with a swoop which is a large radius of curvature. What is the radius of curvature? Uh, at least 10 times nominal diameter. But th there's really a relationship we're looking for. We're looking for a relationship 
that says there's no pressure drop other than that due to the length of the elbow. Oh, so as though it were a straight pipe, but it is actually turning 90 degrees. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So where do you get a swoop? Plumbing supply stores? Yeah, you call me and we ship them out. So you have like in your house? You have yeah, we, we build them. Yeah. We make them for you. We can teach you how to build them. We own the trademark on the name. Oh, that's cool. Okay. What we want is people to use them. We want, I'm thinking, by the way, of giving out the Golden Swoop Award. What will be your prime minister in a the Golden Swoop? The best floor plan for a hot water distribution system. Now, I'm thinking about giving the award out in two stages. Uh, you, you can get the copper award, which is for the plan, and the golden award for the performance. So I'm an entrant in that contest, right? Let's say, and right. you know, I'm, let's say I'm the winner. I enter the golden super award and I win it. You could actually quantify how much energy I would save over the course of a year or over the course of the lifetime of the home. It would be a big number. It's huge. And so here we are, we want sustainability, we want new net positive energy homes. and. From my perspective, hot water is not considered commonly. Hot water, so, nor production, nor distribution. So you, you were in the, the session today when we did the thing with the, 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 the selfie. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Explain it to the listeners. Tell our listeners about the selfie. I wanted everybody to have a mirror, but I didn't have mirrors, and pretty much everyone has phones with cameras, so we made people take a selfie. And the idea is this. You're looking in the mirror, and if you remember Pogo, the car Pogo cartoon, we have met the That's enemy a cartoon for you guys that are, are uh, yeah. under, what, 40 years old? Yeah, some of us might know it. <laughs> 30 years old? But Pogo's famous statement is, we have met the enemy and they is us. It's our job. We are the reason there's structural waste, and we are the people who can make it different. So who's we? The homeowner, the builder, the plumber, it's the architect? It starts with the architect. That's why I came to this conference, Christoph. Yeah. We have to get design right. Yeah. You give me a compact core for plumbing and mechanical, and we can cut all of the infrastructure costs of the dwelling by a factor of four or more. So it will cost less to build a better, higher performance building with greater customer satisfaction. I'm sorry, what's the problem here? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things is that it, <laughs> it's currently like an out of sight, out of mind issue, in my opinion, from a lot of, with a lot of architects. And you know, we're in like a love affair down here with, with these gas on demand water heaters. They're great. Are they closing on us? Yes. Oh, we're closed. Okay, let's wrap it up. But excuse me, I'll just wait for this announcement. <laughs> Alrighty, maybe uh, we'll keep that in or edit it out. I don't know. You're, you're, you're called there. It'll be a surprise. Okay, so... We're in a love affair with the tanks. Love water. affair with tanks and water heaters. And one of the reasons is because you don't have to think about where it needs to go. Just some outside wall somewhere. Maybe you could try to decrease the length of from fixtures, but you really didn't have to, you didn't have to think too deeply about it from the front end, because it just goes outside. But yes. heat pumps now, you have to really think about where those no, go. they can go outside too. Of course. Well, the split system heat pumps, when those come in, well... Sandin's here now. If you can put a gas tankless water heater outside, you could put a heat pump electric water heater outside. It just takes a closet. Ah, okay. You have to go to so It doesn't hang on a wall so well. Yes, of course. Um, but, but there are split system water heaters. There, CO2 yeah. is one by Sandin. Are there any R410A split system water heaters in the U.S.? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. So Mitsubishi makes one called EcoDan in other markets. We're, Mitsubishi, bring that to this market, please. Clients do exist. I think that what we have to do with water heating is to rethink the design problem. We need to work backwards from what the customer wants and then build up systems that provide it. Yeah. The single best set of solutions is to design plumbing and mechanical cores. I've actually been approached in the last month 
bombed by three different national builders who asked me, have you thought about building a mechanical room inside the envelope? What do you think about doing that? Mind you, I almost fell over in shock. Yeah, yeah. We're also, you're like, of course, I've been thinking about it for years. Yeah. We've been doing so, it. Have you ever seen that we're looking for least floor space to put a mechanical room because you don't really want to use up space, right? Because you can sell it. Yes. So here's the thing. Have you ever seen a dwelling where you walk through the laundry room to get between the house and the garage? Pretty common. Some builders, it's very common. Sometimes that laundry room even gets a sink in it. So it's about an eight to 10 foot long passageway. Is that Mm -hmm. about right? Yeah. With a three foot wide space and the laundry equipment on one side, right? What if I opened up the other wall in that same passageway and put in my inside AC equipment, my inside water heater storage, and my ventilation equipment? The geometry of the home's not too crazy. Yeah. Well, it will not be crazy. So it turns out that what that does is it allows us to put everything in a space of 24 to 30 square feet. All the mechanicals. So four by six. I don't have to buy the service space because I already bought it for the passageway in the laundry room. I'm not building a whole other room. I'm building a wall. That's clever. Okay. And it's inside the envelope. Well, by my rules, there's going to be a wet room on the first floor on either side of that, which means I could drop the ceiling in the wet room without blinking an eye, and I could put horizontal ductwork to high side wall vents on the inside wall of those rooms facing out. Okay, that's starting to look pretty good. Mm-hmm. I can go 10 feet vertically to pick up the next floor, and there's wet rooms all around that core too, because that's one of the rules for good design, right? I got closets and wet rooms, drop the ceiling in those too. Now I have high side wall vents in every dry room of the home from the inside facing the outside. You've drawn this, haven't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> Best practice design is to build cores for the mechanical system. Here, here. Yeah, we don't build our cars and then after they're built go, I wonder where the engine's going to go. How's that going to yeah, fit? Right. <laughs> so, Gary, I can't believe it, but, you know, the fat lady has sung the uh, Elvis has left the building. we got to end the podcast here. It's been fun. Thanks um, for the pleasure. time. Thank you for your time. You're very welcome. And thank, thank you. you all for listening. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Baltex and TXA, for making this happen. Thank you very much.